Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast, y'all. I know, I keep saying it. I say it all the time because I have dope, dope, dope guests, but I am so excited to have this conversation today with my guest. She is a mermaid performer and the founder of the Society of Fat Mermaids. I have Shay Monique. Hi, Shay Monique. Hello. I am so happy that we were able to uh, arrange this and that I'm able to be here today. Me too. Y'all, did y'all hear that? mermaid i don't know if i even talk about it on the podcast but those who know me know that i say that i'm a mermaid all the time for many reasons so like when i say i'm cheesing and that when we we had to get a pretty quick turnaround on this and jay was like she's a mermaid i gotta make it happen for you i'm like i know right (laughs) so i'm gonna start with you like i do all of my guests and ask what is your labor of love So I've been pondering this, not as long as some of your other guests, but for the past couple of minutes. And I think my labor of love is living out loud to encourage other people to do the same and kind of like, I don't know, it's like I try to live at like a 12 on a one to 10 because I feel like most people live at a four. And it's like, if you see the 12, maybe you'll jump up to an eight. Mm. But I feel like my way of living and how I show up in the world is liberation work. Dope. I was wondering how you're going to answer that question. And I, I love that one um, living out loud so that other people can feel the permission to do so for themselves. And that seems to be a direct liberatory act. And so when you talk about living out loud, when you're living at this 12 on a scale of one to 10, what does that look like in your life? So We'll kind of like backtrack and go historic and then we'll go to the present. Well, I'll say the present. Obviously, currently it's being a mermaid and kind of pushing doors and really trying to make space for fat merfolk and just other people who don't fit the typical pre-Halle Bailey aerial mold. Uh, But that's kind of been a lifelong thing. I remember kind of sneaking into belly dancing classes when I was 16. I remember being in college and there was some sort of protest and somehow I ended up being the face of the protest because my friends who were actually organizing it were RAs and they didn't want to lose their scholarships. And so it was like, well, will you be loud and (laughs) make some noise and stand right here? And I was like, sure. I was a burlesque performer and produced a burlesque troupe. Basically it's just like, if I think of doing something and I want to do it, I tend to do it. I throw really epic parties, which is really cool. My mom and I used to throw the best Halloween parties. And most Black people don't know nothing about Halloween for real, for real. And so it'd be fun because people would come the first year and they'd wear like, you know, some cat ears, a Jason mask they got. And then they'd see like, oh, people are really showing up for this. And so like the next year by like, no later than August, they're already thinking about and planning their costumes. And so it's just like creating just this place for people to express themselves and have a good time and explore other aspects of themselves. And that really is something I probably just, I mean, I, I think when we're kids, we're free, right? And then like somehow capitalism and all the other isms beat it out of us. And then somewhere along the way, I got mine back and started actively nurturing it. And I realized that that's what's happening with my mermaid work as well, which is awesome because then I get to do what I've wanted to do since I was four and it's making other people's lives better. And I'm like, okay, I'm changing the world by living my dream. This is, does not get any better than this. That is a dream. So I know that we're going to speak, we're going to talk a lot about the mer world, (laughs) but so I have this hypothesis. I'll speak to how I look at it, and then I'll ask you to chime in if, if there's residence there. 
I too feel like I do a lot of living out loud as a way to liberate self and free self as well as invite others into liberation. And what I realized is, I don't, to be fair, I don't know. I definitely don't think I'm at a 12. Maybe that's an aspiration of mine. Hit the 12, right? But wherever I feel that I am, I feel like living life in a fat body and a black woman's fat body elevates that already. Do you think that if you weren't in the body that you're in, the way that you're living your life would be considered a 12? Or do you think because you are bold enough to do it in the body that you're navigating the world is what pushes that pushes that beyond the scale of 10? Does that question make sense? It completely makes sense. And I feel kind of both ways about it. So um, you responded to a Facebook post I had kind of checking in with my community about how folks felt about some of the trolling I was getting. The tone of the trolling was definitely racist and sexist for the most part and incredibly fat phobic. My boss, my day job boss, um, I also work as a massage therapist, Mm. saw the same post and responded to it. And we ended up on the phone this morning about work stuff. And she's like, you know, she's a believer that people who are light attract darkness kind of period. And she's like, when I was doing metaphysical work, you know, they said you have to protect your space before you shine your light or else they'll just kind of put it out. And she's like, if you had a different body, you would still be attracting trolls because our world is so like people aren't free. And as much as like, yes, as fat black women, we have more challenges in some ways, uh, people period for the most part aren't free. Some people think they're free, but like, you know, capitalism has done a number on us. The patriarchy has done a number on us. And as much as it's the people who are like, look like maybe they're winning the game. I mean, it's really only the one percenters who are out here <laughs> really winning the game. Hashtag so, truth. So on the one hand, like based on like my boss's analysis, oh, they'd be coming anyway. But on the other hand, I do think that this, so like, and like, if I go out in a crop top as a big girl, it's like, oh, that's, that's bold. That's so this, brave. that's that. Right. And if I had, you know, a straight size body or whatever, like it wouldn't be a thing. So I'm not sure. Like, I feel like the answer is both, you yeah, know, there's that's like, fair. No, no, nuance all around. Um, and I also think for me, like I've always said that like being so far from like the quote unquote norm has just made it easier to reject it. Um, I am old enough that I'm like, you know, I was never like 20 pounds and a blowout away from looking like J- Jennifer Aniston, you know, like, but I had a neighbor <laughs> who was and the chick was working out around the clock and at the tanning place once a week and at the blowout bar twice a week because she was so close yet so mm. far. Whereas I've been so far my whole life. It didn't take me very long to just be like, well, this is me. We just going to roll with me because ain't no amount of diets and extensions going to make me look like, I guess it'd be Taylor Swift today. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real. And that's fair. Uh, as you say that, I think about how I watch folks when I was growing up, because I, 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 I think about and I talk about the fact that we have the myth that is white supremacy that isn't just, you know, here, here's good, here's bad, but really whiteness as the white body is the standard for humanity and everything else is some, right. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Deviation, deviation from it. And so to your point, I never looked at the European beauty standards and thought I came close, but each community also has their perfect body. True. And, you know, I always go back to Baby Got Back, Sir Mix-a-Lot. I don't. So that's the uh, other thing. I'm a big Black girl with no butt. So that's a whole... Well, <laughs> so, but that's leading to the point, right? In this song, it's like 36, 24, 36, only if she 5, 3, right? And even <laughs> as a child hearing that song, I'm like, I don't even know what them number mean, but I, I know I'm not. 
<laughs> I'm I'm not that right. Right. So even if I didn't go European standards, I went even with what I consider to be my community standard or my communal standards. I still fell outside of those norms. So your point about your neighbor, though, those during my adolescent years and stuff who who were either it or really close to it, as life has lifed and they are navigating different bodies, I am watching the discomfort, the struggle, the insecurity, the all the things that they are now coming to experience that I felt like was my entire adolescent experience of trying to figure out how I fit into the world. But now I'm no longer a attached to right. those things because I've had that time I've lived in this body the whole time but right. for some of them it feels like they've been given a new body the one that they made fun of the one that they detested the one the one that they tried to distance themselves from and that is just a very interesting thing to kind of watch as a distance that again I feel like yeah I'm not attached to that I've been I have a liberty and a freedom mm-hmm. and it's easier to reject it because I was never close to your point like Mm. So yeah, that's very interesting to me. So Merworld, I'm super excited to jump in, and I I I feel like I made that word up, though. I feel, yep. Oh like, yeah. When I heard you say mer yeah. mer folks, I'm like, then there's a mer world. So yes. tell us about the mer world that you are in, that you've created, and feel free to weave through. You said this is living out the dream of your four year old self. Tell us more about that. Okay. I was about four when the first Little Mermaid came out and it was my favorite movie for like my childhood. I loved it. It was just so colorful and pretty. And like, I too have loved the water my whole life. I have no recollection of not being able to swim. Um, And it's one of those things that you get older and you realize like how special that is as a Black person. Uh, But my parents met at Hampton and Hampton made sure that folks knew how to swim. Mm. Um, But, um, and Hampton's on the water, so that makes sense. Um, But yeah, so I spent my whole summers as a kid at the pool. My brother and I would ride our bikes down there and we'd stay so long that my mom would drive and pick us up. Cause we didn't know we were exhausted, but she knew we were exhausted. And that back ride back was just going to not happen. We'd just be at the pool all day. And I'd swim with my legs together, pretending I was a mermaid and just kind of living my best little kid life. Uh, grew up in the nineties. I feel like I had one of those last somewhat free childhoods where there weren't really helicopter parents. I mean, my mom was a teacher, so she was always close in the summer times, but we could still just do what we wanted and, be kids um, in a way that to me feels natural and is not like the childhood my niece, for example, is experiencing. So I've just always loved mermaids and mermaiding. And I've also forgot your original question. What was it? <laughs> that's okay. No, that's beautiful. And so tell us about the mer world. Oh, the mer world. Yes. So cool. I first kind of discovered the mer world about a decade ago. I had a fantasy about like, being a mermaid and getting a tail. And I feel like the internet was a little more, I don't know, fun then. Cause you kind of get lost. It was like an exploration where now I feel like the internet is like a hyper focus on what you're looking for and you're getting more and more detailed information. Uh, and at the time there was a thing called Mer Network. I think it technically still exists, but it was just like an old school message board. And that was the Mer world. And I kind of scrolled through Mer Network and discovered that mermaid tails were these like handmade silicone or rubber things. And they cost as much as I made in a month as a nanny. And it was like, mm, we're just going to keep dreaming about that. But around 2015, I believe a company called Fin Fun Mermaid Tails started mass producing fabric mermaid tails. They're, um, a family-owned business in the Midwest, started by a grandmother who was making tales for her granddaughters. And they brought mermaiding tales kind of to the mass market. And that just exploded the mer community. And I got involved in 2018 when I started the Society of Fat Mermaids. And so merfolk swim in pods. And being in the DC area, I have a really big and cool and dynamic pod. And when I got curious about mermaiding, I could just show up at a meetup and people are like, here, borrow this, try this. Let me show you this trick. It's just like a really 
awesome, well-resourced community just because DC is a really awesome and well-resourced area. Some pods, some people are like, man, there's only two mermaids in my whole state, you know? <laughs> um, and it just kind of varies. But whenever people are curious about mermaiding, it's like, look for your pod. And then we also have conventions and each convention kind of has its own pod and community around it. So in a couple of weeks, next weekend, I'm headed to the California Mermaid Convention in Sacramento, which is really awesome because there are a lot of members of my pod, Society of Fat Mermaids, who are there that I don't get to see except for that one time a year. Society of Fat Mermaids has a really dynamic online community and pod where you know, folks share their pictures, folks ask questions about like, how do I do this? Or I just bought my first tail or whatever. And then there's a huge con close to me, ironically in Manassas, Virginia. Like it just sounds so random. Like where's the biggest mermaid convention? Manassas, Virginia. I think it's moving to Maryland next year, but that's called Mermagicon. And there's also an Afro mermaid summit in Miami. And like each of these things are just like these big annual events that like everybody's excited to go to and communities pop up around each of them. People mermaid for fun. Like my friend Grace, who performs as a uh, Instagram handle is Pegasus Springs Muses. And I guess her name is Mermaid Misty Gracie. She's like a hardcore mer hobbyist. She's buying the tails. She's paying attention to all the message boards, all the Facebook groups. Like she knows everything that's going on. And it's just like her her joy, her bliss, her like fun, passion thing to do. But there are also people who work and perform as mermaids. I'm part of a performance group called the Circus Siren Pod. And we mostly are on the East Coast, but kind of travel with a tank and do all sorts of cool performance things. I really encourage people like who are interested in mermaiding, like let it be your hobby. It is a hard career. It's a hard job and I think in the same way that millions of people play rec ball after work but only probably a couple hundred or thousand are in the NBA I feel like that's how mermaiding should be and I feel like that should be okay but capitalism of course teaches us that we have to monetize our hobbies and so it's hard because like when an adult wants to do something that's a little quirky they're like well if I can monetize it then I can justify it mm. and I'm just saying just have fun with it it's easier that way and more fun that way mm. well Thank you for that. I want to take your last statement and generalize that because I think that was very profound. How often we as adults, when we want to pursue a hobby, as we, I, I truly believe as a person who helps people navigate spaces that lead them to healing, it's very, well, I honestly can't think of a single example when I've had the honor to walk with someone in their healing that they added something onto themselves or became something they returned. It's a returning to. I believe when we come to this plane, we are given inside of us everything that we will need to be who we were authentically created to be in this world. And from the moment we take our first breath and they say, it's a boy, it's a girl, and we have a skin color, all the things, it starts to add all of these things that bury so much of that. So for me, the healing process is cleaning out all the gunk and, 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 and finding the things that have been buried. And so when people go through healing, they return to some of these childhood desires. Oh my goodness. I remember loving this and I want to do this. And then we have these systems of oppression. I say, ah, ah, ah. If you are not being productive, if you are not making, producing, usually for the benefit of a system or someone else, then it's not worth it. And so whether that's mermaiding or something else, I want to just drop that. Like, can we sit with the reality, which is in opposition to the systems that say we don't have to justify our joy yeah, and that we can participate in things that bring us joy without feeling like we have to provide the receipts that it produced something I'm or that it was down. productive. What'd you say? I'm writing that down. Okay. <laughs> Don't um, have to justify our joy. Mm -hmm. And so as you were talking, I, I wanted to share, you know, that when I think about, and when I say I'm a mermaid for me, um, I have never put on a mermaid tail. I've met, you know, but I feel like within me and also to be fair, I didn't watch a lot of Disney. 
I have seen The Little Mermaid, but I don't have those moments where it's like, oh my God, that was a staple. But yet somehow within me, there is like, there is a mermaid because dwelling in the deep is just where I am. And it's really within the last, I would say six to eight months that I've really come to sit with and not feel shame about that because my my inability to sometimes feel connected on the surface mm. but my deep 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 desire to be in connection with other people were in opposition with one another and so I felt a lot of shame about the fact that I would rather be in the deep even if I'm alone okay than to be <clears throat> where most people dwell on the land and on the shore right. and I'm really starting to sit with I'm okay with that and embedded in that deep dwelling is my essence and my blessing my mission and my message and I was able to find that but mermaid has always resonated with me as someone who has the ability to come to land and and to walk around and to experience that but who could quickly go back into the habitat that felt like home um and also my connection to the water it's a, it is a it is a spiritual place for me it is a magical place for me i don't think i've ever gotten in pools you can keep a pool <laughs> i i you know i don't i don't need a pool but who give me in a natural body of water and there's never been a time that i didn't come out feeling like in some way i've been changed or transformed and learned something and so that's why it resonates for me so outside of performance and outside of maybe some of the connection you get at the large conferences and the society you've created, are there some deeper things that connect you to the mermaid world? There are some. I would say, like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I want to connect you with Jalandra Davis, who's a professor at UC Riverside, uh, who studies, like, African mer tradition and mm. uh, also does like fiction and kind of like does like this historic stuff and this fiction stuff. Yes, but um, and I have to say because I say this to everyone because it's so like mer mermaiding as I do it is a very relatively new phenomenon, especially in the way that it's more accessible to people now. Um, so I always like if people know their mermaids, people know their merfolk. They tell me all the time, and I firmly believe like you know, if you're one of us, you know, and it's 100% like in your heart, it's not in your tail. And I think that's an important thing to like emphasize as well, because it can be a community where like folks are just always rushing to buy the new, fanciest, shiniest, latest, greatest, most expensive, sparkliest thing, which is great if that's your vibe and you can afford it. And that, you know, affirms you, you're creating, you're supporting small business owners and creators. That's awesome. But it can also make people with less like financial resources feel like they're not good enough. And it's like, not, nah, it does this is like has zero to do with your tail. I um actually just headlined Mermagicon in March. And I'm really proud of the fact that I did technically get my first silicone tail in November, but haven't really been public with that tail yet. And so I'm very proud of the fact that like I earned that position in my same little fabric tail I've been in for the past couple of years, uh, because I feel like that says something important about what, like what is, ac what actually really matters. Um, but for me, I too have just, the water is my happy place. And even in dark times, like when, um, uh, I was depressed and struggling with suicidal ideation. Like the fantasy would be to just like float off into the darkness and float off into the water and just float and disappear. Um, and then there's my super practical best friend who's like, that's stupid. Drowning is one of the most painful ways to die. Also a shark's going to eat you, blah, 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 blah. And, but like, it's like the fantasy wasn't to drown. The fantasy was just to like be in that like water space. <laughs> it just disappeared. <laughs> but and anytime I go to the beach, um, I'll like actually any natural body of water. I just like to like float and vibe and I'm just so happy and peaceful and invariably whoever I'm with is screaming like, Shay, Shay, come back. Like you're going too far out. And I'm just like chilling, like in my zone. And that's always been where I'm just most relaxed. I remember again, growing up in the 90s without helicopter parents being like seven eight and nine at the beach doing my thing hopping waves and just 
chilling out there. And I've always liked to be backwards. Like, I don't want to like look at the waves and think about it. I just want to like feel like, how is the water pulling me? How am I going? And that's kind of a thing, like my favorite thing to do. And it has been for as long as I can remember. And people will be like, well, why are you backwards? And it's like, if I look at it, I'm thinking about it. But if I feel it, my body knows what to do. My body knows where to be. And that's just always, always been my zone. And interestingly, when I took my first free diving class and I was like underwater and still for minutes, like I felt this peace that was just, I don't know, it was like, nothing and honestly only in the class because if I'm mermaiding I'm not just like still I'm like in performance mode but in this like training moment it was just like I'm completely underwater well not completely but your face your face down in the water and somebody's holding you so you know you're like safe and you just rest for an extended period of time and I'm like oh like when I was struggling like this this is the piece I was craving mm. like it's this and it was such a profound moment and it was like many years removed from like that mental health space but it's like that's what I wanted I wanted this so yeah it's just mm, I think there's something also about that like safety of being surrounded like that womb-like nature of the water mm -hmm. I thought womb when you were talking you said so many things that I'd love to touch on one I, I feel you. Um, my most recent time in the water, I was down in Miami and I, I had a friend saying, I'm so glad your hair is that bright pink because <laughs> we could not see you. Like I, I went out to the furthest point, you know, they got that buoy that's kind of like, Hey, homie, mm -hmm. don't pass this. Don't, don't, <laughs> but it's way out there. I'm, I'm the furthest point out. And they were like, I'm just glad your hair that pink because <laughs> we would be, and they were, she was like, I kept asking like, should we go get her? Like, is she, and I'm like, trust me. When I go to the beach, I don't go to beach. I go to be in the water and I'm good. See y'all and how many hours we're going to be there. Like I'm out there. So I related to that. And I want to highlight something that you said because it, it has like real life implications for so many people. And when they did research, when research has been done on resilience, the factors that people have in their lives um, that help them to overcome adversity and hardship and not go on to recreate it. There are five of these factors and one of them are external supports, external supports or anything outside of yourself that you, it could be people, right? It could be nature, but imagination mm. is one of those external supports and people who can imagine themselves that in the, in the midst of all the trauma, the hardship and everything whose brain can still take them to a place. If you are someone who can still imagine, I want, I really want to uh, reflect and validate how very important that is because when survival and imagination compete, survival is going to win. That's mm -hmm. how the human species right. stays alive. So the fact that on your hardest days, there's still a part of your mind that can take you somewhere, wherever it takes you, kudos like and and in our culture sometimes that can be frowned upon you need to come into the pre right it's usually always come back to do work just think about the role <laughs> of capitalism in that right, right right come back and do something when I appreciate that and you said something so beautiful which was in that whether you understood it at the time or not it was telling you what you needed so if you are prone to imagination maybe that word's not familiar maybe you think you're dreaming you know, it is a dissociative quality, but that doesn't mean that it's bad in that place that you get taken. Can you pause for a moment to go hmm, underneath the physicality of this place or just the fact that it's away from what I am living in my reality? What's the medicine in my imagination that I might be able to pull for myself in my reality? And so for you to then get to a point removed from those times of hardship and go, whoa, this, <laughs> this is what I was craving. This is what I needed. Feels so beautiful. And I believe that if, if we're just aware that, that we are being given these opportunities frequently, then we can pause long enough to be like, hmm, where's the medicine here? Mm. What, what is the, what is the thing here that, that my, my intuition, my ancestors, my body, all those things are telling me that I really need. So mm, that is so beautiful. 
and just to let you know that, um, I mean, I share with you, but I'll share with everybody else because I talk about being a mermaid in a very whatever sense since I shared it, my really great friend and God sister Lex sent me Shay Monique's social media stuff. Like you need to follow her. Actually, she sent me the picture and was like, you need to do one of these. And by one of these, it was like a photo shoot. Um, you do a calendar every year. And so I was looking at this and before I, like I saw mermaid, but the first thing that I saw was a reflection of my body, mm. which I do not see almost ever. So it wasn't like, cause I have mastered adapting a visual to fit mm -hmm. my reality. Mm -hmm. Every since people in marginalized bodies, whether that's from our abled to differently abled, our skin, we have mastered um, changing what we physically see to imagine a different kind of hair on it. Imagine a different kind of skin tone. Imagine it this way, right? How does it reflect me? And I'm I'm prepared to do that. Right. And then I see your picture. And for the first time, I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I don't have to alter how I see myself in this thing. Whoa. And another thing that it did is I could not deny the beauty I saw in you. And it forced me to sit with why I couldn't see that beauty in myself. Mm -hmm. And so I want to share that with you, Thank you because that was the experience I had when she sent me this picture. And I was just like, whoa, like. Oh my God, right? So representation matters so much, not just for our kids. We have a tendency to be like, kids need to see. I'm like, homie, I need to see. Yay for my kids. But like, I need to connect and see someone who reflects me in not just one way and I have to imagine the rest. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. That is incredibly affirming. I got all the tingles and almost got the tears listening to you. Um, and so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I definitely, like when people ask, like, yeah, when my friend's like, will you show up at my daughter's birthday party? I'm like, yeah, because, you know, that's a little homie. But I feel like I am a mermaid and what I do in Society of Fat Mermaids, like, we're here for the adults who didn't have that when they were kids. Um, whatever part of that representation it is, things are, are getting better and people do prioritize the kids and kids are delightful. I love kids. Um, but that wasn't there when I was a kid. And that's kind of what got me into mermaiding. A friend uh, took a photo of me laying in the snow. Uh, it was a stunning photo and it went, viral and it's interesting because in the past five years I've gone a lot more viral as my following has grown but at the time we really thought our mutual friends were going to see it you know so we were expecting a couple hundred likes and it was just a thing that we did because you know she's an artist and I guess my body is art in certain ways and we just were doing our thing and you know, she very much labeled the photo as like a queer photo. And so you got fat people, you got black people, you got people of a certain age and queer people all saying basically what you just said. And like, I would just sit there like, and some people would tell me they were crying. Sometimes I'd read the comments and I'd be crying. And that's kind of when I realized like, this is liberation work. Like we don't see ourselves. And it is, it's this beautiful, positive feedback cycle where yeah, literally, like you can't say I'm pretty and then say you're not. Like mm -hmm. it, just, it just doesn't, it doesn't mm -hmm. work. Like <laughs> you can't be like, well, this particular fat black queer body is beautiful, but this one is in. It, it doesn't work that way. It's like it just starts opening things up, and I think we forget just how how much of like internal decolonization we have to do, yeah. and. It's amazing when like I'll be doing something and my like anti-blackness will creep in and it's like, oh, I thought I was past that. Uh, Come on. And so, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, as you were talking, what it reminded me of is I, 
I had to sit with that duality growing up. It was kind of the reverse though, right? I would have a mom who always told me I was beautiful. Um, but then I was also aware of the things she said about herself mm. and how I, how I witnessed her experiencing life in her body, but I was so beautiful. And, and there was this tension between yeah. like how she could say that about me, a person who came from her, right? you know, but have this very different experience, but also what she said about other people. Mm. And and the internal all the internalized stuff that she had that she said about other people, me, I'm like, well, how how is it that you is 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 you and everybody else, but not me? Right. So now I don't know if I can trust that. And so being able to to work through, like you said, the things you think you're through, and then some come up and you'd be like, damn, now she's still there. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's still there. And I was really thinking about, and this was, I think, just last night. Um, I, Facebook groups can be anxiety provoking for me. Um, (laughs) now that I'm learning how to manage my own boundaries and set notifications, the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But people can put you in groups now or like suggest you into groups and stuff. And so I'll find something popping up on my, on my feed and it'll be like, you know, you're not in it because you haven't joined it, but you can kind of preview it from this many days. So I'm having different things pop up that I haven't personally engaged. And it was just very interesting to me. And one of them was a Facebook group for fat black people. Okay. And I was like, okay, right. Understanding my own internalized fat phobia um, and all the things. And so in there, and one of the things that really like, hit me as I was reflecting and just kind of looking at some of the post was I approached living in my body as a fake it till you make it for so long Mm. like fake the confidence fake the the embodiment the the all the things until you feel this way about your body but then I would go on to do this thing where it was all about concealing how do I hide this thing how do I how you get the angles how do you do this thing oh you took a picture of me let me see let me see Mm -mm, mm -mm. erase that one okay now let me do this okay stand over here like everything was about creating the image of a body that I thought other people would find appealing Mm-hmm. that I thought other people will accept, that I thought other people could love. And over my healing journey, I'm just like, man, my body hasn't done a whole lot of changing. Why do I feel differently about my body? It's because I recognize that I'm worthy of dignity, love, respect, and I give it to myself. What I spent so much time trying to make pleasing, because I say, you know, I, I, I was very much a people pleaser, which excuse me, a small part of that is do things to please others. But really what it was, was I wanted to be pleasing to all people. Mm -hmm. How do I become pleasing to all people? As I've been able to heal my way through that process and understand it, have the gratitude for the things that it gave me. And I started to realize that I could love me. I could accept me and I could do those things. Other people started treating me the way I was treating myself. So all of a sudden, I don't have to hide, conceal. Like at one point, I remember having a friend tell me, your clothes are too big. Why are you, this was like in college, why are you, why are your clothes so big? You know, and me, this being my straight size person, you don't understand. And she like, I don't. (laughs) Clothes still too big. (laughs) Like, why are you, why are you hiding? And it just makes you, you know, and so then to go and be like, I'm wearing crop tops. Yep, I had my professional photo shoot. Yep, pink hair, crop top. And it just felt like, what if I said no more hiding? Yeah. What if I said no more hiding? And then I come in community with you and I see your pictures, other people that I'm connected to who are not hiding. And it gives me more and more courage to go, I don't have to hide anymore. And I know that for some people, I'm giving them courage with the step I am. So the other thing is there's no pinnacle of arrival that it's like, oh, you get there. And then all of a sudden, nope, every stage we are, we can be encouraging for someone who is just trying to take the step towards where we are. So I I just really appreciate how 
and just not hiding, you're helping so many people. And that's people who don't know a thing about mermaids, who who don't want to be a part of the mer world per se. Right. They are just willing to come out of hiding because you're so visible. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like even with my visibility, like I hate to put it this way, but like, you know, trolls are heavy on my mind this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you try a new food, often we're just like, because we've literally just never tasted it before. And you can like taste it again 20 minutes later. And you're like, oh, this is really good. This is really nuanced. This is really, you know, and I feel like for a lot of the trolls that aren't just bots, like I'm that first taste of a fat black woman who's not hiding. And it's just like, what is that? And it's like, yeah, what is that? I don't look like what you see on TV all the time. I don't look like what centuries have told us is the quote unquote standard. We are taught to hide and cover ourselves and wear the biggest, baggiest clothes possible and be, yeah, be pleasing. Like, okay, you can't be small in body, we'll be small in voice, be small in opinion, be small in everything else. We are taught to do that. And so, yeah, I'm just going to be here and be. People do go, what is that? And I think regardless of what they actually feel or think it's just so foreign that the first response is I don't like it Mm because I just think that's a human thing is to just say no to something new and it's based in dysregulation like I I have this dream (laughs) I'm working towards this dream to teach people about regulation because Mm -hmm. the dysregulated response is ah it's the two-year-old who spits out the peas Right. You know, it's it's that that texture that something was so unfamiliar that the dysregulation caused me to have this push it away, this adverse response. But can we just pause the power of the pause long enough to stay regulated to go? Hmm. And even in my regulation, I realized that it's not for me, but I ain't got to go on there saying all kind of crazy shit. <laughs> right like this is not to advocate that everybody gotta like everything you absolutely do not I absolutely do not it is that impulsive immature nervous system that people have that then go and then I'm going to like spew this vitriol all over the place and it's just kind of like not necessary there is such a thing as keep it moving right just just keep it moving so what do you do to help you navigate the fact that you are a public figure public facing and that these they all kind of a lot of so much love admiration and things are coming your way and so is so much other stuff how do you balance that for your own mental health your own physical health and well-being I and it all depends on the app and what my phone's doing. But I try to like turn off most of my notifications and seek them out. Like when I'm ready to engage versus just having like the engagement popping up on my phone every 15 seconds. Um, so I try to do that. That's a big one. Uh, the like things that get me all tingly and make me cry. I like screenshot and I have like a folder on my phone of like, this is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's like a thing. I don't do it as perfectly as I wish I did. Cause sometimes I'm like, why didn't I save that? Fortunately, a lot of like the trolls are not particularly creative. So as a fat mermaid, I'm called a whale 90% of the time. So the point at which I'm like, how is this even funny? If you just watch 10 other people say it and you just, you really have to say it too. Like, <laughs> like my turn my turn it's strange so like and I've been I've been a fat black weirdo my whole life well when I was born I was small and my mom thought I was gonna have failure to thrive um but after we got past that hurdle I did not but after we got past that hurdle I've been I chunked up real quick her prayers were answered and then some um and so (laughs) I've been like teased for it my whole life and I'm pushing 40 so I'm pretty used to hearing different types of things so it's like I mean it's that you know what they what is it what they eat don't make me shit like Mm -hmm. it's just like okay and honestly generally speaking I am grateful for the algorithm boost and um sometimes analytics make it easier like on TikTok 
it's really interesting to see the tone of the comments change as you can, because TikTok, at least when I used to pay more attention, I could see like what part of the globe is this video trending in. And it's like, okay, in the US, it'll start with like people who follow me and like me. And so it's like usually like, you know, people who share our politic. And so the comments are generally very lovely. And then it'll just start hitting pockets of the community where these convers or pockets of the world where these conversations aren't happening. And so then I start getting certain comments, but I know a lot of the comments really at the end of the day are like, whoa, what is that? Because that's not what black people do. That's like, I mean, I swim, like, I mean, it's just, there's so many different like levels of why being a black mermaid is radical in some ways. And it's just fascinating to watch it travel. But 90% of the time, I'm just like, well, thanks for boosting the algorithm. And I really do think that like, even the people who share me to troll me, like somebody who sees that one of their friends still like kind of needs the, the joy that's mm -hmm. coming out of, you know, my images, my videos, whatnot, some like right-wing YouTube channel, like a fairly big one, got a pride thing I did a couple years ago. And like the headline of their video or the cover of their video is like this fat black mermaid signal or fat gay mermaid signals the end of times or something like that, like harbinger of the end of times. And I got a whole bunch of attention after that. But like, weirdly, I could tell that there were a few like women in that audience who really needed to see what I was doing and it was really working for them. I, I appreciate them. Yeah. Like I can appreciate that perspective. Uh, one of my great friends and I, Kara, Michelle Pearson, we, we meet on zoom once a week and we dream together. That's it. We just dream. Right. And we, we got invited to do this. Uh, what'd you say? Myself. I said, I want to come dream with y'all one day. I'm just inviting myself. Yes, <laughs> you can definitely come dream with us. And so we were invited to curate this space at a, at an event. And one of the things that just came out of all the things was the purpose is greater than the invitation. And, and with that, we allowed ourselves to settle with, you know what, somebody is going to be there that needs this brand of dopeness mm -hmm. that they won't otherwise have access to. Mm -hmm. And so I think about this YouTube channel, whomever did that. So many people who then saw you would have otherwise never right. gotten attention. I remember speaking at this one thing at a place that I totally didn't know what the hell it was. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> Had I known, it would have been a no for me. But I, I show up and I find myself speaking in front of people who have very different values, right? We we would not have crossed paths otherwise. So I'm speaking, I'm talking about trauma. And it was someone in the audience who really needed to hear what I had to say and who really needed to share their experience and have me reflect and validate that. And in that moment, I said, I would not do it again. But if that one person was the only reason I got here so that they could be seen for the first time in this journey, I'll, I'll take it. And mm -hmm. so I really do appreciate the vantage point that, you know, trolls as a person, well, let me finish that sentence, as a person who was able to take that perspective and realize that your brand of dopeness in this world is needed and other people who wouldn't organically find it, all of a sudden they're getting access to it that it plants a seed or waters or does whatever. And as a person who I can admit for a long time was willing to stay small to avoid the trolls. Mm -hmm. Like I ain't even, nope, nope. I don't even want that. I don't even want that. Well, then you got to stay small. Right. And then you recognize that mm, I actually can't stay small and, mm -hmm. and be responsible for the gifts and the purpose that I have. Yep. Then it's like, oh, and I remember getting a couple comments and Jay was like, you got a butt. Like, you coming up. And I'm like, <laughs> this sucks. And then a few episodes ago, uh, Christina and Brittany were on Representation Matters. They're doing this awesome podcast series about body representation. And they had something, I think it was on TikTok and I can't hear somebody, why don't you just lose weight? And she's like, I think we made it. Like, we starting to get the it, it's sad to me that that is like how people are like, wow, I'm really out here. 
How do right. I know? Because the haters have shown up, right? Right. Um, but it it is ugh, a thing. So as we start to wrap up, I would you have talked about it a little bit, but can you tell us more about the Society of Fat Mermaids? Like what 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 is this beautiful society? Well, first of all, I say we're like a sports team. So like, if you say you're part of us, you're part of us, right? Unless you do something absolutely egregious and we're like, we, you ain't got nothing to do with us. In the same way that my husband thinks he's part of the Patriots, you are welcome to be a part of the Society of Fat Mermaids. Uh, we are a size inclusive clothing line and community designed to celebrate and center fat folks. So we have Primarily t-shirts and leggings. Um, our t-shirts go from a small to a 6X and our leggings go from like a 2X small to a 5X with like fun mermaid themed stuff, really cool mermaid scales, just all sorts of fun designs and I try to highlight just, you know, different imagery of fat merfolk. We also have an online community, uh, a Facebook group, Society of Fat Mermaids Let's Connect, which is just a place for, you know, whimsical fat folks and allies to connect. Um, everybody's welcome. We do center uh, larger bodies and, you know, try to tell people to defer to the lived experience of people with larger bodies. And, you know, as you were talking about the people you grew up with whose bodies are changing, it's like really interesting because I started the Society of Fat Mermaids. And then like a lot of people who are like a size 12 are like, yes, this is my face. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but you're not exactly who I was thinking about when I started this. But if you need this message, if you need this space, <laughs> sure, just please don't come be the loudest voice in the room. Don't tell me that you can, in fact, go to Target and get a cute swim top when I know it's not there. But, you know, like, come on. Absolutely. Hang out. But just listen to those of us who are bigger and advocate for us when, you know, we're not in the room. Um. And so we have a really cool online community. And then I try to use our social media channels to just highlight cool fat folks, fat merfolk doing fun stuff. Basically, I want, you know, my dream is that, you know, there's like big, sexy beach retreats and like all sorts of amazing, you know, travel experiences and in-person connection opportunities. And there's a few here and there. Mostly we will gather at the cons, like I'll try to do like a little, like, okay, we're all going to swim together at one o'clock on Saturday, you know, so I try to kind of just jump on other events that exist. But that's kind of the dream is to uh, just travel and tour and, you know, have all sorts of like fat folk pool parties and swim parties and whatnot. But that's who we are. I love it. And I am learning to dream. And as I learn to dream, because one of the differences it sounds like in our story is survival took over for me. Mm. And so I didn't have access to imagination and dreaming and, and this thing. And so now I've worked really hard to free up that space. I'm like, I'm dreaming whenever I can. And what can we imagine? And so I meet you in that dream for these very large, lavish experiences. And, you know, I welcome you to dream with with us and stay connected. Uh, Shay Monique, I'm so very grateful uh, that you took the time out to come and spend time with me and my listeners. Y'all, when I say like quick turnaround, like a day, <laughs> I, re I reached out to the post and to reference, you know, she, she referenced the post, but like I said, someone sent, Lex sent this photo to me probably, oh my God, a couple years, over a year ago, for sure. Been following and when I saw the post that essentially was saying, hey, this photo went viral and it's getting a lot of attention and there are a lot more negative comments than I necessarily see in this particular, you know, Facebook, I, you know, I appreciated that there are, there are many things I appreciated about it. One, you were asking, how is this impacting my community? Right. So you were saying like, I'm used to it. 90% of them say the same thing, but how is it impacting you? And that was the moment where I realized I wanted to be more connected to Shay Monique mm -hmm. than just seeing her pictures and hearting them. There was an integrity and there was a thoughtfulness about the community that she was curating that I was like, that's dope. 
right? To say, how how is this impacting you? And I can turn off the comments, right? So we don't have to see it. Now that would stop the love from coming through too. And it allowed a space for dialogue for people, if not, not just to respond, but to pause. Because then I had to think, huh, what, how do I feel like that? Because I don't read comments. Mm-hmm. I allow myself three comments, period. And I really be hoping and praying that the first three I see be be righteous. Like, <laughs> yes, because I, I'm only getting three because the comments will have me dysregulated. So I don't read comments, so I'm not impacted by them. And if I see something that I know is super dope, but I know the troll is going to be in there, I'd be like, I'm not even looking at the comments. I'm just, you know, but the thoughtfulness of that definitely endeared me to you as a curator of community um who is not just thinking about how can the algorithm push this further 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 but really valuing that there are people and nervous systems connected to everything that you post so that's when I reached out y'all and that's what I'm sharing because I keep telling y'all y'all know dope people send them my way because I want to share like people's labors of loves and their dopeness with with you all and with the world. So I really appreciate your ability to do this quick turnaround and just bring all of your, like I hesitate to use the word magic. I want to use the word magic. I'm hesitant to use magic because magic just seems like it's not effortful. <laughs> you know, magic is a thing that just happens. And I know that you're intentional. And so the what I am what I'm experiencing of you doesn't feel as as much magic in the sense that oh it just happens now I, a lot of work had to go into how you show up in the world so I don't want to minimize it but it is magical in the way that your essence emanates throughout the world so thank you thank you thank you thank you and thank you for accommodating my unorthodox scheduling needs and reaching up I set an attention for 2022. I wanted to do a podcast appearance every month. And interestingly, I feel like I'm a master manifester, but that is something that did not happen. And I've been still just wanting to do, you know, more podcasts, talk to more interesting people. And, you know, the beauty of podcasting is like how intimate and specific the like communities and the conversations are. And so when I saw this, I was like, yes, let's talk and let's talk ASAP. Um, Well, ASAP we did. So I love it. Know that the Labors of Love community is here. Should you ever need anything? This has been such a dope, dope, dope conversation. And we could talk for a really long time. And I hope we stay connected and continue to dream together. But for those who are looking to reach out to you and are like, I just want to know more about the Society of Fat Fat Mermaids or I want to be a mermaid or just want to like get connected with this dopeness. How can people find you? How can they reach out to you? So Society of Fat Mermaids is on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Society of Fat Mermaids. Our group, which is where you're really going to be able to have community, is called Society of Fat Mermaids Let's Connect. And that's on Facebook. And the website is www.societyoffatmermaids.com. And I, Mermaid Shamonique, can be found at mermaidshamonique.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Mermaid Shay, C-H-E, Monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. I love it. And if we go to the www.societyoffatmermaids.com, is that where we can get the dope gear? You can get the dope gear. And yesterday, in the midst of all my feelings, I made a new shirt that says Fat, Black, and Free that I'm really excited about. Yes. I feel like I need to go cop that shirt (laughs) and give me some leggings while I'm at it. So, oh my God, Shay, sincerely, I really, really want to thank you for taking the time um, to just share your labor of love, to share your light, to share your brilliance. I don't want to minimize it by calling it magic because magic just makes it seem like it just happens. And I recognize that there is so much intentionality, so much work and so much personal liberation that you had to go through to show up in the world the way you do and so so much gratitude to you for bringing yourself to our community well thank you for inviting me and for seeing me i really appreciate that absolutely so my usual shout outs i want to shout out jay sug who does from instant classic media my producer 
Um, Trey Angel does all of my music. That's my nephew. I want to shout out my listeners. Y'all listen, we just crossed over 64,000 downloads and streams. And so really wanting to celebrate the fact that y'all are out here rocking with me. And I love that. want to remind you that my patreon still exists if you want to support the work that i'm doing that costs uh that is no cost to you we're on all the major social media stuff um shout out to stephanie she is my new uh social media coordinator so when y'all are like dang you really produce don't give me credit <laughs> um i'm out here i you know you'll see my face these are my words but like i really want to shout out steph for coming on board and just taking my social media to the next level if you haven't already given that five star review please do that i mean a five star rating write a review share the podcast with your loved ones and friends until we connect again you all be well <laughs>